talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome once again to More Like the Horsewing, the show where here in the fading days of 2021, we take a look back at what was formerly Aaron Sorkin's magnum opus, The West Wing, from a bit more leftist and socialist perspective. I am Stu. And I am Dave. And today we're going to blow through the first three episodes of season six because they are Woo-hoo! they are pretty coherently like a unit about the Israel-Palestine summit at Camp David. Um, that was basically the cliffhanger from the last episode of last season. Correct. That got set up at the very end of season five with Josh and his clandestine dealings. Yeah. So the, I'd I'd like to just start this off by saying that we really have nothing more to say about the Israel and Palestine thing. Like it is, the show never backs down from its, I don't know, hawkish authoritarian presumptive stance that yeah israel is as a state is correct and good yeah and that it was it basically sides with israel on most of the debating points that come up where it constantly paints the israeli ambassador woman who is constantly just pushing this zionist view of the world as being like mostly correct and the palestinian guy is like okay we just want to live though well and they they don't even allow for i mean again the 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 landscape of the language that they're using does not even allow for a heterodox consideration. And I say heterodox, but I mean, honestly, it would be a factual consideration Mm -hmm. of how the conflict originated, what happens. It's just, oh no, you know, um, since Theodor Herzl, like it's been Zionism and that's cool and good. Israel exists because of the Holocaust, which, you know, they deserve to have a place to live. Blah, blah, blah. Fuck the Palestinians. The who? Right. Like, right. yeah. Exactly. It's, it's yeah, fucking awful. That's what it all boils down to. There is this very comically overdone montage where uh, it's it's Friday evening, it's Shabbat, and so uh, all the Israelis go to do Shabbat prayers. And second aside, in my aside, uh, there's the gravitas with which... The, the Israeli prime minister gives the blessings for bread and wine is fucking insane. <laughs> like, these are the most banal, you do them every Friday kind of prayers. They don't, they don't have a ton of gravity to them. It's literally just, thank you, God, for the wine. Thank you, God, for the bread kind of thing. It's like saying grace, basically. But he's, like, doing it like, Baruch Hatah. <laughs> like he's really trying to like channel God for this particular moment, but it's just the wine and bread blessings, dude. Calm down. But <laughs> yeah, and the montage. Oh, sorry, I wasn't done. Sorry. Okay. Uh, the, my greater tangent here is that this montage cuts back between the Israeli delegation and the Palestinian delegation doing their various Friday evening prayers and rituals. And like, okay, you, the viewer, are watching the montage and get the idea, oh, okay, they're not so different. They're both religious. They both have their rituals. You know, maybe they have more in common than you think. And it's an an elegant but okay way of doing it, of showing, not telling, basically. But then 
they have Kate come in right after the montage is done and just go, wow, you know, they have more in common than you really would think. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, do you trust the viewer to understand the lesson you just showed them with the pictures? You really need to explain it. And Yeah, and I mean, clearly they don't, because this is me breaking in in post-production. I want to note that the show actually deploys this, I don't even want to call it a technique, but to like extremely funny and correct use once via Jason Isaacs, the best guest star they've ever had here. And I'm going to include this clip as well, just because it's just so funny and out of character for the entirety of the show. And frankly, it's politics to have these words come out of anybody's mouth. What does Bartlett think they're going to do? Knock on the door of his compound and say, I'm so sorry about all the tanks and stuff, but would you like to pop over to America, have a nice wee chat and sort this out? Where are you from? Belfast. Yeah, you guys are really the model on how to work things out of there. Yeah, we are, actually. The Israelis have every right to protect themselves from terrorists. They're an occupying force oppressing the people fighting for self rule They're citizen soldiers trying to keep their sisters from getting blown up on a bus. You Jewish? Why, anti-Semitic? Anyone who thinks the Palestinians have a point is anti-Semitic. And anyone who thinks the Jews don't after being chased and exiled and persecuted for centuries is either an idiot or a fool. Probably both. <laughs> and I've been, just as a, as a brief aside, a tangent here, and I want to actually canvas your opinion on this stuff, I've been noticing lately that, like, and again, I consume a lot of um, opinions about things from a, let's just say from the libs um, in terms of media, where it's like Mm -hmm. people will rave about, like, new television shows these days, like some stuff on Hulu that's, I watched Only Murders in the Building, or I started watching Only Murders in the Building, and there have been a Mm -hmm. couple shows on, like, um, you know, like Apple TV and stuff, like, fucking Ted Lasso, like, I... I feel like it has become enshrined in writing that you must write to idiots. Like hmm. all of the all of these new blockbuster, big budget, mass market television shows that I've been trying out, I always get this it is just it's not being insulted, but it's just like you you guys pace this so slowly and write this so deliberately. I get it. Some people might not be able to pick up on this stuff, but oh my God, right. I feel like you're treating me like I'm an idiot. Like I am not right. a child. <laughs> right. Uh, it's the lowest common denominator thinking. And I think it's just a, a sort of p- natural pitfall of mass marketing. When you're trying to hit the broadest possible mm. audience, you want to make sure that no one bounces off of it because like, well, it was too hard to follow. Like, remember all the people who like thought Inception's plot was like really complex and hard to follow. <laughs> And it's like, it's a very straightforward heist movie with just this like layer of dream logic that you have to wrap your mind around. That's not that hard to comprehend. There's there's a pastiche of some sci-fi MacGuffin on top of it. And all of a sudden people are like, oh my God, what the the fuck is going on? Which which the movie has like multiple scenes explaining its simple (laughs) premise to you to make sure you're all on board. And like, and even then people still thought it was complicated. So I think it's just sort of that thing of like, you know... It's the Carlin bit of like, you know, think how what the average IQ is and realize 50% of people are stupider than that. Yeah. And in this in this show, it seems a little jarring. I think it 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 comes off because this show has always carried itself with an air Mm -hmm. of sort of I don't want to say smug because it's not it's not malicious necessarily, but it is written for an audience that enjoys politics. So they should feel comfortable. 
and enjoys wordplay and enjoys like yes. big words being thrown around and and sort of stuff like that. So yeah, it is you know smarter than your average show. You know, definitely smarter than like a sitcom or what have you. You know, that's not like Arrested Development. And so, but like, you're, just... you're more like for a camera sitcom. Well, yeah, and this just seems a little bit out of out of place. And yeah, I mean, yeah. It- it's something I feel like you wouldn't have seen in the Sorkin years. I like I gave Sorkin a lot mm. of shit for for lots of things and lots of various flaws, but he was never like pound you over the head level obvious about this kind of thing. He can be obvious, but he's not like insultingly, you know, where you feel like, okay, this is for the dum dums in the audience kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and so the uh, in that scene, the the prime minister, the guest star is Armin Müllerstahl, who is a cool guy, mm. I think, and he's also he's fucking ninety one years old wow. now. So he was literally born in Prussia when Prussia existed, which wow. I found fascinating. So, That's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's. I mean, he's <laughs> in fucking every. He's one of those that guys. Like he's in everything. Sure. So. Yeah. He. Sh- uh, yeah. You recognize him from mm-hmm. a million different things in movies and TV. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the and then the peace accords, they go on for a while, and there's a little drama here and there. Uh, oh, um, there here's something I want to mention. Bartlett does this very liberal thing of early on, they're just like having an argument about something. He's like, guys, guys, this is just the meeting where we assign topics. Oh, yeah. No discussion <laughs> can happen at this particular meeting, and like that's just the most lib fucking we, thing I can think of, gentlemen. This is the pre-committee committee hearing to canvas membership in... It's just like, Jesus Christ. No new business will happen in this meeting. We all... New business will happen at the scheduled time in the real meeting. And, and this means we're doing work. It's like... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, eventually they, they come around just in a, in a broad kind of strokes thing Tented, tentative agreement basically, yeah they get to a tentative where agreement where yeah go ahead kate, kate cracks the case of like oh if we just let the palestinians have a few holy sites and have like custodial ownership of them um like the saudis do of mecca basically this is the great thing that will bring both of them together and and creates this like two state solution sort of thing of like okay well you'll have this and you'll we'll have this and we'll separate it out here and there and blah 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 and and there we go israel palestine is just solved bing bang boom done well and so it also sets up the sort of future internal conflict between the administration and Congress, because basically in order, and again, this is like, this is what no materialism does to a motherfucker in order to enforce this agreement and have, you know, um, for Al-Aqsa or whatever ceded to the Palestinian government as like a sovereign territory, they need to deploy 20,000 troops to 20,000 American (laughs) troops. And here's my favorite thing. Leo flips out about that uh, and like just absolutely batshit <laughs> fucking what like, fucking hypocrisy 
Just and, like he was the one in the flashbacks explaining to the, Governor Bartlett that the thousand troops going to the Philippines for a peacekeeping mission. And, oh, it's no big deal. It's a peacekeeping mission. Now he hears twenty thousand troops peacekeeping mission in Palestine. He's like, oh, blah, 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 you can't command American troops. You will regret this. And we had also in this episode also we had seen him. So we're, we'll segue sort of towards Leo here because there's a bunch of shit with Leo. We're basically earlier mm-hmm. in the episode, he really pissed off Bartlett because he basically went to General Terry O'Quinn. I don't know his character's name. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And essentially, unilaterally greenlit the... An operation. An opera, a military operation without the involvement of the president. Right. Which is, which is like... Treason, I think, yeah, actually. Some, some sort of super de duper constitutional problem. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and Bartlett rightfully flips the fuck out at him in the Oval. And is like, are you are you for real? What the hell are you doing? And Yeah, and Leo goes on one of his hawkish arguments about how, like, you gotta do this. We're, you know, American congressmen mm-hmm. got killed, blah, 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 that kind of thing. And then it's so funny to see him flip out later on. But yeah. Let's let's keep the focus on Leo, where yeah they have a big blow up about that, and then and then they're really on the outskirts, which is sort of the driving tension. Yeah. Um, of after besides the uh, the actual summit itself. So the summit gets wrapped up and basically plunks the plunks the dramatic tension back into the American governance process because now the international politics are taken care of. They just need to hammer out the hows and what's on the domestic side of like the getting the legislature to agree to that this plan so leo has been as we mentioned in our last couple of episodes leo has been leaning hard hawk and like ruthless hawk for a little bit of time here it sort of came out of nowhere where he is just like completely abdicating any sort of political analysis on this stuff and just be like nope gotta blow shit up nope gotta you know kill a man's like american people demand blood yeah and i mean looking back <laughs> now fair, like, he's absolutely do. correct um yeah but uh, he's right that it would poll well but we're talking yes, about whether, yes. what's the morally correct thing to do <laughs> and they do take they do have the good grace to take the time to be like we are polling on this and people are baying for the blood of arabs yes. like yeah, wait, so spot on accurate, you yeah. know, very, I, let's praise the show when they get things correct for a change, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it would have pulled incredibly well. As I think we said at one point, uh, the president says something like, all I have to do is bomb you and I win re-election. And like, bomb you and eat a Nathan's hot dog and I win re-election <laughs> yeah. by like 70 points or whatever. And like, yeah, like, absolutely. But Bartlett, to his credit, is trying to do the morally correct thing and push for peace. Yeah, even if, if even if this peace, and we will cede the ground of being like, even if this peace is framed within just the most Zionist, god-awful, yes. beholden to Israel, like, frame of reference, Bartlett sure. is it, trying to work for a way that does not result in future deaths. Right, he is he is trying to stop all the madness that is the constant missile strikes and the bombings and the terrorism and and whatnot. He is he is taking steps in that way. The steps themselves are very liberal or whatever, but like uh, you know, we can applaud the moral intent here at least, as opposed to the Leo option of just glass the Middle East. Yeah. So 
Leo, having been rebuffed several times in his council and then having greenlit this military strike in lieu of the president's approval, basically comes to the president and gives him another, you know, like soliloquy about how these people don't understand anything but force and how like... You're going to be Woodrow Wilson. You're yeah, gonna, you're, like you your know. legacy is going to suck because you can't pull well on this. And then, and this is at Camp David, and Bartlett basically says, um, you're fucking fired. So this is the big dramatic turn. I think it's in the second episode. Correct, correct. Because the second one ends with him going out to the woods. Yeah, so Leo has this happen, and you know, spoilers, even though you probably, y'all probably know about this shit. Bartlett fires Leo, and then Leo's like, okay, um, I'll have my letter of resignation drawn up for you. And then, like, goes into a fugue state and and (laughs) wanders into the woods and has a heart attack. Like, that's it. That's what happens. Like, okay. It's it's so instant. Like, literally from five seconds of the conversation where Bartlett fires him, he's just a pale, sweaty mess and is already, like, actively having a heart attack. So... And I really try to give the show a little bit of credit because they have been hinting at him being in poorer health. Like he mentions he's not sleeping much. You see he's a little more gaunt. His makeup has his hair a little grayer. Yeah, he asked for an antacid at one point Mm -hmm. because, you know, his stuff, you know... you know, Clearly, he's they, stressing. They do, they do the they do the work to set up that he has health issues. Yes, but it's just a very, it's again completely out of character. Because if you're Leo, okay, sure, your world has just been rocked by your best friend firing your dumbass for being too much of a war hawk for him. Like, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll I'll grant you that you're in a bit of a tizzy at this point, but. If you're in a bit of a tizzy, and I want to make clear here that having a heart attack doesn't, like, impede cognitive functioning. No. <laughs> like, you are, you, it is your heart muscle that is it, being denied it, of it, oxygen. It is not the right. rest of your body yet. Yeah. Yet. It hurts. It hurts a lot, and there's chest pain and all that good stuff. But yeah, like, your thinking can go on normally, and you you could even talk and stuff like that. You know, you're going to be in pain, obviously. But yeah, but rather than that, uh, like you said, Leo just sort of enters this fugue state and decides to wander away from all the help that is potentially available to him. Uh, you know, there's a Secret Service guy every fucking 20 feet. Yeah. He can literally just <laughs> yell out, help, help, my heart hurts. <laughs> yeah. And like, five <laughs> men will be on him in two seconds. And he'll receive the best possible medical care in the right. entire he planet will be, he will be medevaced to fucking walter reed or wherever and like you know whatever the nicest closest hospital is but no rather than do that he just wanders off to where no one will find him and collapses in the middle of fucking nowhere yeah and and thus and thus goes hours without care and and his condition is a lot much worse than if you know he had just gone help and and the seven secret servicemen heard him which is, again, it you can see what the show is trying to do of being like, oh, they this want, they want the drama, this huge yeah. shock, and my world is rocked. But it's completely out of character. I mean, Leo, hawkish turn aside, is a fucking stone cold analytical political operator. Like, dude knows exactly what's up. Dude thinks about everything 
in a, like from a like an informed and analytical standpoint and just like i i don't know is is it like just a boomer thing of like oh i'm just gonna ignore uh, this i'm just gonna go off to the woods and die yeah. <laughs> i don't want to be a burden to anyone you know <laughs> don't don't worry about me i'll be in here in the dark having a heart attack just throw don't me worry in the about bog. me yeah. i'm fine <laughs> so let, and let the wolves come for me and, and this is sort of the big conflict heading into the third episode, which we should take a break before we discuss, because it also leans into some other broader issues that we have remarked on in the show before, but are definitely carried through into the third episode here. Yeah, so the second episode literally ends with, like, Josh being like, hey, I haven't heard from Leo in a while, I'm gonna call him. And just, like, (laughs) a panning shot of the woods where he's fucking collapsed and you hear the cell phone ringing. And that leads us into our, like, ending credits. (laughs) Like, happy music, which is another great tonal clash that I enjoy. I think, and I can't remember whose phone it was, but it was definitely, um... The, the, and it, I don't think it's Leo's, but somebody has Samba, like the old Nokia Samba song from <laughs> Zoolander as the ring. And I'm just like, pick up the phone! Kill the Prime Minister of Propecia! <laughs> oh, yeah. So let's take okay, a break look. here, and we'll come back and talk about uh, working yourself to death. So, Leo's heart attack picks right back up into the third episode where they finally find him. And, you know, since it's been hours and he was unconscious a long time, you know, Abby goes into some details about how time, you know, that amount of time spent with the heart being damaged is bad. Uh, And so he needs a lot of extensive surgery. We don't even find out um, if he's... No, no, we do find out by the end of the episode that he's going to be probably okay. Like, he's off machines. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they hook him up to a to a, a pump or whatever, but then they take him off and right. he's improving. Right. So he gets the surgery he needs and he, he'll ultimately be fine. But the third episode uh, struggles a lot with the idea that if Bartlett allows Leo to come back and not truly fire him like they had talked about, because, like... Instantly, he's just like, you know, at his bedside, the next time he can talk to Leo, he's like, look, you're not really fired, okay? Like, you know, because he thought he killed him by firing him. And so he's like, you can come back, it's fine. And then Abby has to be like, no, he can't come back because if he continues to work for you, he will literally work himself to death. Yeah. And this finally gets to my point about how they're all working themselves to death for this fucking job because they all work till four in the morning, seven days a week. Well, it's just, it's pervasive and we see it all over. And again, it's, it's expected to be, it's, it sets up the strange juxtaposition of like, wow, we can now physically see what happens to people when we make them do this. 
the the language of the show puts it all on individuals agency too because i think the way that abby phrases it when she admonishes the president is that leo will work himself to death if you continue to employ him not you will work your employee to death right yeah assigning blame to the victim essentially yeah and you know i mean fucking fucking donna like i mean oh man like yeah, solidarity so Don- with assistance and all but like i yeah, so Donna, she's finally out of the Germany hospital, flown back to America. She decides, they she's just back to work right away in a wheelchair. They just, like, wheeled her out of the hospital right back to work. And, like, oh, my God. No, take some fucking time for yourself, Donna, to recover. You're in a wheelchair. And, again, solidarity with assistance and all, but, Donna, you, like, move memos from place to place. Surely, surely Josh can just do that. Yeah. yeah, well, here's the problem is everyone everyone at this level thinks that the world will not function while they're not there. And like, A, if we have a system designed in a way where if any one particular person isn't there that day, everything stops working, that's a bad system and we need to fix that. And But B, that's not the way it is and work happens regardless of like who's homesick for a week. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're gonna be you're gonna be okay. Like the peace process isn't gonna blow up because you're because not there Donna's to not there. yeah right. to, to be abused by Josh for some time. <laughs> right. So yeah, this basically just gets to my whole thing, and then so the show is sort of tackling this with correctly with Abby and the Leo thing, but then it goes a completely different direction with Josh, where CJ and Josh have this subplot in the third episode, where she's like, "Hey, Josh." You know, Leo just killed himself with, like, overwork, basically, or almost killed himself, and I like you, and I don't want to see that happen to you. So, rather than, like, encourage you to work less, or maybe we could talk to Bartlett about how we all all shouldn't be here till 4 a.m. every single night. Yeah. um, I'm just just gonna blame Josh for eating bad donuts and stuff, and say that's what's gonna go to his heart attack, not all the overwork. And... I mean, this is 100% a product of the times where these people were coming up where it's just like everything was blamed on red meat and eating too much fat. It's like, "Mm, uh uh-huh, I have no doubt that those are indeed factors and that American diets are absolute shit. But if what what about literally everything else about how you live your life? What about your polluted groundwater? What about like your fucking work schedules? What about the air that you breathe? Right. It's, no, 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 it's just donuts. It's because Josh had a donut at a meeting. <laughs> That's and, what's going to lead to his heart attack. And they, they go down this weird thing where, like, they have a couple scenes that are entirely devoted to Josh either getting delivered junk food so that he will lose the bet that he makes with CJ. And is it like, is that CJ sending him junk food? I don't know. Or it's just I, other people who like, are aware who found of it? out about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah who yeah. found out about it somehow. Uh, it, it's it's weird because the show doesn't, you know, it would be a Charlie move, but Charlie doesn't take credit, you know? And it's also somewhat malicious. Like, you guys got to be, yeah. you, you got to be consistent about this. If it's if you legitimately think junk food is what's killing these people, you're going to send your coworkers junk it. food? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh. don't be cute about, like, ha-ha. 
haha, ignore the temptation of the thing that will kill you. Like, if you really do think that. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm it, just playing. I don't want you to die, even though maybe I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> LOL, JK, yeah. let's have dinner. <laughs> just, yeah. Um, and then, so all of this working to death and sort of cleaning up the messes, there's a bunch of um, like good cop, bad cop comedy where the Republicans <laughs> yeah. who are fighting back against the conditions of this peace deal are basically bargaining for, hey, what are we going to get if we let you go forward right. with deploying this peace deal, which involves American troops, blah, blah, blah. And there's a bunch of stuff where Josh and Toby butt heads trying to yeah. do the same thing. Yeah, a lot of the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing kind of thing where like, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Um, and we see a lot of Speaker Halfley again mm-hmm. in this. And the eventual, what God, what struck me was so insane is that like the eventual thing that the Republicans want <laughs> is a $300 child tax credit expansion. Da-da-tish! <laughs> wow! It's... Like, what What a joke, folks. You couldn't write it better. <laughs> the the signature policy of the Biden presidential administration was in the mouth of the comically evil Republican Speaker of the House just right. 17 years prior. Right. And, and like, it's a lot of, like, jo- uh, Toby and Josh just wringing their hands about, like, oh, we're going to have to give them this stupid fucking tax credit that we would never, ever want in a million years. <laughs> yeah. We're Democrats. We love taxing people and hate giving tax credits. And, oh, oh, what a world we've, we now live in. Yeah, it's just insane. And to his credit, like, Speaker Halfley, like, they, they, he plays it really well. Like, he just lets... <laughs> yeah. the, the, I really enjoy the scene where Toby's yeah, in yeah. his office and Josh calls him on the phone and just lets them talk to each other and then yeah. walks out. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> he, he, do, he doesn't even have to say a word. It's great. Um, yeah, so he plays them all for fools, ends up getting, like, a $400 tax credit or something like that. Uh, there's this, like, weird exchange with, like... Don't try to quabble for, like, the exact number of children that qualify. It's like, what are we, China? No, no only four children get the tax credit? Come on! It's just, like, just really insane quabbling about, like, the details of who gets it and stuff like this. Yeah. And then, I mean, it all sort of wraps up with a neat bow when Leo wakes up from his um, recuperation from being on a heart machine or whatever, and... Bartlett goes and talks to him, and we've been getting glimpses of, you know, over all of these episodes, really, of CJ taking care of business and being, like, yes. the the kind of overseer of all these stepping other tasks up. and stepping into, yeah, yeah a, a more leadership role. And then Leo pulls Bartlett in and is just like, it's got to be CJ who takes, like, my spot, which is the setup for where this goes from here on out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so at the very end, Bartlett says, you know, Bartlett and Leo talk earlier about like, you know what I said to him when I first hired him is, are, do you want to jump off a cliff with me? And so at the very end, he says to CJ, hey, you want to jump off a cliff with me? And she goes, what in the fuck are you talking about? He's like, long story, get in the car, I'll explain. Yeah. Um, and so he's, yeah. he's going to pitch to give her the chief of staff job. It's which like, I promise it won't I be unpleasant. I think the next episode kicks right off, if I recall correctly, with, like, CJ uh, getting that job and all the uh, craziness that entails with, like, her new Secret Service detail and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, some of the more, like, the, the more minutiae and the drama mining thereof. But we'll we'll find out when 
we watch it next when um, we get to that yeah let me think so there's i do want to shout out, oh yeah i want to <laughs> give credit to something awful poster pokemans for um noting that he thought for or excuse me they thought for sure that um will bailey's character was given like a bunch of really shitty like racist lines about palestinians in the palestinian lines yeah in the end of season five and surprise it's actually in the first episode of season six that he gets to say those lines and i'll find the clip i'll find the clip and put it in here because jesus it's just like it's ridiculous the president knows right you guys are telling him knows what that there is no viable alternative he's going to have to bomb palestinians so uh, the the question that Emma brought up when we were watching this, when all of this stuff is happening, the question is, why the fuck is Will Bailey even there? Yeah, that's where's, a great question. Where's the fucking vice president? What Will Bailey is the chief of staff of the vice president. What? Yeah. Where's Where, Bingo Bob? They could they couldn't get Gary Cole for this one. Is <laughs> yeah, is the likely. real answer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because obviously he would want to be in on this because this is something he could then run on. You know, like, okay, I was there at the Israel-Palestine talks. I helped Bartlett negotiate for peace, blah, blah, blah. When he when he's running next time, and given that he can't, maybe that's why he ends up losing to Jimmy Smith's in the primary. Well, yeah, and it it just, the, the whole arrangement with him um, is completely bizarre. We, we actually do see Bingo Bob in one of the, like, Republican negotiations things. Or, like, no, he's sitting, he's on the phone with Chairman Farad, and the and Speaker Halfley and the president when they have that like joint meeting or whatever. But that's the only line he gets. It's like, uh, okay. So you talking about Will now, this raises another great point that I just thought. So, okay, Will replaced Sam, who was Toby's underling. Now Will has moved over to be the VP's underling. Who is now Toby's new underling? Like they haven't replaced Will's position. Who's the new Will? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, well, <laughs> in in keeping with the working yourself to thing, it's nobody. Nobody has replaced right. him. Toby right. is probably and doing so all that work. <laughs> T- Toby will now be doing the work of two people yes. and uh, and is now working himself to death that much quicker. <laughs> but you see, the White House's, um, you know, the, the White House's salary expenses have decreased by $80,000 year over year. And therefore, that means they're doing a good job. Exactly. We've cut waste by 0.00075%. (laughs) Pats on the back, everybody. Blast back kudos all around. (laughs) So, yeah, um, let's see. That's pretty much all I have, I think. There's um, a... There's this odd scene in the first episode or the second episode, I forget when, but Toby and CJ are having to sit down in, I think, Toby's office and... She's giving him snacks and bottle of water, and rather than hand them to each other, they keep throwing them back and forth, and I just want to know why. Was this, like, an actor choice? Like, oh, this'll be fun, I'll throw you the water bottle this time. Like, they just keep throwing things back back and forth to each other. It's and, weird. Yeah, and they're, they're, like, complaining about being super tired and not eating well. It's like, uh, you guys, you could take this time instead of chucking snacks at each other to maybe go down to the mess and get a real meal? You know, there's there's yeah. an entire kitchen that serves all of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She says she has to, like, raid the vending machine and, and get the last two things of peanut butter crackers and, like, bottled water. Yeah. But, like, you have, like, the White House kitchen available to you. Yeah, you just call down and order a pork chop or something. Like, yeah. go ham. 
Um, let's see. Yeah, there is. I just thought that was funny. The only other thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make a big big note of this because Emma demanded I do it, is that we would never I would never make this point about the fashion choices of the, <laughs> the variously parachute pantsed men on this show. Yes, all their suits fit horribly, and it's that that time. But I do nineties <laughs> basketball suits. <laughs> I do I do have to question Kate Harper's hairdo. What the fuck is going on with the bangs, but also like the frame thing? She's got like these two little, um, it's almost like Vulcan style hair points that come down next to her eyeballs. And I, it took until the, like I watched the last episode too, the Israeli ambassador has some insano bangs going yeah. on here too. I, yeah. It's, it's completely <laughs> bizarre. And I, I don't, I don't remember this being a thing in 2004. Oh, what? Mary McCormick's hairstyle? (laughs) No. I mean, her specifically, but no, more that like, just like bangs. Like, I, you know, early 90s. Wasn't this this the era of like the Rachel and and stuff like that? Yeah, like your your nice frame facing, like shorter Mm -hmm. but not Bob type cut. Like, I, Mm -hmm. it, well, yeah. It's totally weird. And, I mean, again, this is a again, this is a male gaze type thing, and Emma demanded that I totally. caveat it, but it's just got it so fucking bad, it's awful. <laughs> well, because Mary McCormick, well, like, is very yeah, very attractive, very good looking. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, speaking of male gaze and Mary McCormick being attractive, I do like at one point she's like, "Let me work with Farad, the the Palestinian guy. I think he likes me. Like, yeah, no one. I, I think <laughs> I think I I think I get that he likes you." You're oh. very likable. Oh, you want to uh, go talk to a dude? Hmm, yep. <laughs> yeah. So. so yeah, yeah. I think that's about uh, it. But that wraps up most of my thoughts, and um, hope you all have enjoyed listening. Um, as always, thanks. We appreciate all your comments uh, and stuff in the threads. Um, if you found the show another way, hi, welcome. And if you want, you can shoot the show an email at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Nice. And we will be back next time to discuss uh, the next episode. We may go episode by episode after this, uh, or we may group them together if they feel like they should be grouped together. But once we get to the campaign, I think we'll stick mostly episode by episode, except for uh, two-parters. Yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, this was this was a very coherent set of this could have been shot as yes. like an hour and a half long yeah. episode in yeah. itself. Yeah. Episode, episodes 2 and 3 are di- are di- distinctly a two-parter. Like it ends with Leo's collapse and picks right back up exactly there. So yeah. Thanks again and uh we'll see you next time for the next episode of The West Wing here on The Worst Wing. Bye all. Stay bye safe. Bye. Send all the money you ask for. But don't ask me to come on over.